All right. Let there be light. Matthew 7, 10 through 12. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to his children in which he loves? Just want to make sure you knew that I actually knew what I was talking about when I, when I prayed today. Well, it's good to be with you today. Uh, if you're watching online, I always forget to greet those who are watching online, but throughout the summer we've had a ton of people uh, out on vacation, traveling. Uh, we actually have people, I don't know how safe this is, but watching as they're driving. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, that they have a spouse in the car that's holding the phone, whatever. Um, but uh, I just want to say welcome to you guys. Uh, I, I forget uh, that uh, how important it is for us as a church to grow together in unity, to grow together in the knowledge of, uh, of what God is doing in our church and through our church. Uh, we are kicking off 21 days of prayer today, and uh, I need you to help me out this morning. I I need, I need some response. Uh, today's going to be a little bit more uh, interactive uh, than maybe what is typical. Uh, how many of us would say that we absolutely believe in the power of prayer and yet probably don't pray as much as we should, right? So, okay, yeah, tons, tons of hands it's interesting to me that, um, why? Why is it that, that we have a good God who answers the prayer of his children, yet so many of us don't pray as much as we probably should? Well, I think there's probably a few different reasons for this. Uh, I think some people honestly just, they don't know how to pray, right? They, they haven't done it, they haven't practiced it, they, they don't know how to pray, uh, there's some who lack confidence, right? Am I doing it right? So some people may actually get bored while you pray, right? I, uh, I might lose the respect of some of you uh, this morning, but I, I, I'm kind of one of those guys that if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll be like the ADD prayer, right? That I, I'll, I'll start praying. I'm like, God, uh, I'm contending for a miracle, a miracle, uh, I hate Miracle Whip, and, but I'm hungry. I kind of want a sandwich. Oh, look, there's something shiny. Where did that come from? Like, you know, it's like, how can I go from like three lines to all of a sudden just be thinking completely about something else? Like, it, it, there's, you just get distracted. You get bored. You get tired. Sometimes we get intimidated, right? We go to these prayer meetings and they are awkward because you, everybody's in a circle holding hands and, uh, and you, you've got sweaty hand person and you've got, uh, you know, like the, the guy that as the prayer gets more powerful just is squeezing your hand harder and harder and you're like, I don't think that's going to make God move anymore, but... You know, or you'll get in a, in a life group and, and you've got that one guy who's like the, the, the brother of Moses or the son of Moses who's like, pray, when they pray, they're reciting scripture, God, and your word, it says in Deuteronomy 28 that you bless us coming in and you bless us going out and, uh, and they're calling down angels and binding demons and you're like, I would answer that prayer, it is so good. Right, and you, and, and, but you don't know. You don't know. Then, like, what do I do? You, because it's not good to get competitive in our prayer. 
It's not, it's not good for us to be like, well, I, I can't let that guy out pray me. Right? When, I, when I was, uh, when I was a fir- first as a believer, I, uh, you, know, you, you would get in those situations. You don't want to look ignorant. And so you, you just start, you start saying things that, that sound good. Right? God, it says in your word that you are Jehovah Nisan. Right? You're, God, that, that you are so good. You, you, are like, uh, you, you are like a good neighbor. Right? You're always there. God, God your, your word is so good, it melts in your mouth, not in your hands. You, you just start reciting things that you've heard, and, and you think it sounds really good, but it really doesn't make a lot of sense. You don't want to be competitive. God, thank you for your blood, which is thicker than water, right? Right? <laughs> I don't know if you ever have frustrations like that, or maybe, maybe you just, you, you know, you're just like, Brian, you're crazy. Um, I don't know. But what I hope over these next 21 days is this, this would be a time where we would allow God to do a work in us, that he would move us to pray with power and to pray with a passion that we've maybe never had before, to to listen instead of just speaking. Our theme verse for these next few weeks is uh, from Ephesians chapter 6. It's in your notes. It'll be up on the screen. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have a divine power to demolish strongholds. My hope is that as we go into these 21 days of prayer, we would understand that we have the power to demolish strongholds. So why? Why do we pray? Why do we find ourselves twice a year, every year, coming to this season where we're dedicating a time towards prayer? Maybe the question would be better worded, why don't we pray? Why do we need 21 days where we refocus our time? Why aren't we contending and praying all throughout the year? I I think that if we're being honest, we don't necessarily believe those first two scriptures. I don't know that we believe that we are actually in a war against principalities, uh, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness. I don't know that we believe that we battle against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, some of us, we're, what ends up happening is we're fighting in the natural. We're fighting our, our spouse, right? We're, we're, we're fighting the person or that thing in the natural that's like right next to us, right in front of us. And instead, we should be fighting against the enemy of this world. Instead, we should be fighting a supernatural battle that, that is raging around us. I think we're in denial to some extent. Uh, I don't know if you remember when you were a kid or if you have children, you, uh, you, you kind of 
channel your inner four-year-old self where if you just kind of cover your eyes and you don't look and you don't see into the supernatural, then, then maybe it doesn't exist and they can't see you. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert, be alert, be awake, be aware and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And and I know what, what we begin to think in this context. It's like principalities of darkness. We're talking about the devil prowling around, devouring us. This is heavy stuff. And I don't know if I want any of that. And what Peter reminds us is be alert, be awake. Know that this is real. See, we don't believe that it, there is this supernatural battle that's going on. And I also think that we struggle to recognize the effectiveness, the tool, the weapon that prayer is in the supernatural. Because if we really knew that that was effective, if we knew that it was a a tool in our tool belt or a weapon in which we can wield against the, the lion who prowls around seeking for whom to devour, if we really believed that, we probably would do it more. So who do we pray for? I don't know if you know this, but it's legal for you to pray for you. But not just for you. Right? Oftentimes what happens is we get caught up in this, in this petitioning prayer, constantly giving our needs and our wants and our desires. And, and it's easy for us to fall into the trap of selfishness. So I'll give you a couple of verses here. Matthew chapter 6. This then is how you should pray. This is the disciples asking Jesus, how do we pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, and I don't know if you know this, in the English language, the word us includes I, right? So, so when we're praying that, it's okay to pray I, it's okay to pray for, for me, but if all I ever do is get caught up in me, then we lose out on praying for they, Philippians 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Is it okay to pray for you? Absolutely. But should we be praying for others? Yes, lest we get selfish. When we lift other people up, it's called intercession. And there's something so powerful, so activating that takes place in our faith when we begin to pray for others. When we contend for God to move in the lives of people he has placed around you. One of the greatest prayers that you can pray for those people that you love is that they might have the power to understand just how much God loves them. In fact, someone asked, uh, one of my favorite jazz artists is Louis Armstrong, and and somebody asked Louis Armstrong uh, if he could explain jazz. Louis, tell us about jazz. Can you explain jazz to us? And you know what he said? He said, if you've got to explain it, you ain't got it. If you've got to explain it, you ain't got it. If you have to try to explain the love of God, it could be that you haven't been immersed in it. That you haven't been overcome by it. 
In fact, that's what I'm praying these 21 days over our church is that there would be many who would really experience a deeper and more meaningful spiritual encounter with our holy God. That it wouldn't just be, I'm, I'm singing a song in a church, but I'm actually dwelling in the presence of God. That I'm hearing his voice, that his Holy Spirit is, is leading me and guiding me. I'm reading his word, and it's almost as if the words are jumping off of the page to encourage me and to convict me away from my sins and towards the right places that now all of a sudden we're having more faith to do things that would seemingly be impossible. It's like a guy named uh, Charles Finney. He was a famous evangelist in the 1800s. He he was a follower of Jesus, but he uh, he, he had at one time a deeper encounter with God. And here's how he describes it. He says this, The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul, and I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through me. Indeed, it seemed to come, and here's the part I want you to notice, indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. Waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. What a beautiful image of the love of our God. My prayer for us has been that that we would have power, supernatural power, to understand how much God loves us. And it would be like waves. That, That just when you think you begin to understand it, you would be hit by another wave of his love. And then you, you would think sort of under, the, I get this, no, and then another wave of his love would hit. Waves and waves of love. And all of a sudden, something begins to change. There's something transformational that, that takes place in our life that maybe for years we've been dissatisfied. We've, we have so much, but we want so much more. For years, we've been battling depression or loneliness, inadequacy, and suddenly these things begin to wash away because the power of God is dwelling inside of you. We understand more the love that our Father God has for us. That's my prayer for us as a church. So how do we pray? There's all kinds of of prayer in Scripture, different kinds of prayer that we find in Scripture. I want to touch on just a few. And we're going to respond this morning. The first is inquiry prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. This then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. I wonder how often we, we take time to pray, God, show me your ways. Reveal to me the mysteries of the supernatural. God, show me how I should pray. Show me ways in which I can be praying for, or things in which I can be praying for. I wonder how many of us just, we, we continue to, to petition, which is we're gonna, what we're going to talk about in a second. We petition and we pray and we, we talk and we talk and we talk and we talk and we never give room for him to speak. Sometimes it's okay to speak only when we've been spoken to. That if we're the only one talking 
will never hear what he has to say. We're too consumed with our needs and our wants. Rarely do we just remain silent. Instead of praying, God, would you heal my son from whatever iniquity he may have, whatever uh, physical healing he may have, God, heal my son and, and, and just praying and praying, God, do this and do that and pray, God, be a part of this and do this and God, will you help my kid graduate from high school? Will you help this happen over here? Instead, just saying, God, you know my son better than anyone. God, will you tell me how to help my son? Help me to understand how I can love my son more. Help me to understand how I can be praying for my son and then just be silent. Second kind of prayer that we're talking about is petitioning prayer. Ephesians chapter, eight, uh, chapter 6, verse 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests, some of the translations say petitions, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Can I just give us some instruction when it comes to our petitioning prayers? Because I think we've, uh, we've slipped a little bit. We've slipped, and I'm not saying we, although we are included in the bigger we. I think especially in our consumeristic country, uh, we've slipped a little bit, and we've fallen into some of the traps that Scripture talks about when it comes to our bringing our petitions before the Lord. Uh, the, the first is don't be rambling and repetitious. Matthew 6 says, and when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. Did you know that, that the pagans pray? They do. I, you know the joke already, but you've seen the uh, the bumper sticker that says, as long as there are tests in school, there will always be prayer in school, right? I mean, they, when things, when circumstances affect people, all of a sudden they become spiritual. Oh God, get me out of this situation. Oh God, help me in this circumstance, right? And, and what oftentimes happens is we don't believe that God is actually listening or hearing us, and so we're just being repetitious, and we're just saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. Don't be like them. The Father knows what you need before you ask him. The second thing is don't be anxious. Philippians 4 reminds us that, that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What if instead of praying, God, I'm, I'm so afraid of what's going to happen with this cancer. God, I'm, I'm so afraid of this sickness or what's going to happen to my children. What, what if, what if we just pray, God, thank you for this life that you've given me. God, thank you that, that your word reminds us that you are our great physician. You are our healer. God, thank you that you are the same today as you were yesterday and the day before, and you will be the same, God, tomorrow. God, thank you. See, fear and anxiety don't activate the things of God. In fact, fear and anxiety really have no place in the presence of God. 
And I'm not saying, well, does that mean you can't ever be real and honest about your fears? No, of course I'm not saying it. I'm saying that fear and anxiety don't activate the things of God. What activate the things of God is thankfulness. That when we petition the Lord, we're doing so with, the thank, with thanksgiving in our hearts. We're, we're presenting through thanksgiving the requests to the Lord. And in that, there will be peace. That's the promise of that scripture. Don't be bitter, envious, or selfish, James chapter 3. But if you harbor envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. How have we been praying for our spouse? Is it out of bitterness? God, I'm so frustrated. I'm so upset with them. Would you just fix them? Right? Would you just... Would you just fix them and help them to love me how I need to be loved? God, would you just figure that out? Or do we, do we pray out of selfish ambition things that we want, things that we, we desire for ourselves that will benefit ourselves? Have we been petitioning God out of a rambling and a going on, God, I don't know if you can hear me yet, but I'm, I'm asking for this. I need you to do this. And you just keep on and keep on. He hears you. In fact, I want us to pause just for a second. And I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to help us here. And, ask, and we're just going to be quiet before the Lord. This is an individual exercise where we ask the Lord, God, show me if I've been praying out of bitterness. Show me if there's an area of my life that I've been praying out of selfish ambition. Show me an area of my life where where I've been just rambling because I don't actually believe that you can hear me. Show me that way, Lord. And just for a moment, could we just ask him to show us that? Petitioning prayer reminds us that it's actually okay to remind God of his promises. We see this in 2 Samuel chapter 7. It says, Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy, and you have promised these good things to your servant. God, remember that your promise is to never leave us or forsake us. 
God, you promised that if there was any among us who were sick, that we could bring them to the elders of the church and they would be anointed with oil and that through faith they would be healed. God, those are your promises and we're, we're declaring those promises and, and reciting the promises because it activates faith in us. And finally, there's a declarative prayer. This is speaking out what God says and repeating it as prophetic. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to Christ, who is able to do how much? Exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more. In other words, you, you can't even measure how much he's able to do. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. The greatest thing that you can picture in your mind, our God can do more than that. The greatest thing that we could dream up, our God, he can do more. According to what? According to his power that is at work within us. I want to close with this crazy story and then and then I've got some instruction for us this morning. I want to close with this story about a guy named Martin Luther, who was the father of the Reformation. He had a friend named uh, Frederick Myconius, who was his assistant, and it kind of helped him serve as he was undergoing the enormous task of reforming the church in the 1500s. Well, in 1540, My, uh, Myconius, his assistant, fell deathly ill. And he was on his deathbed. He wrote a letter, a farewell letter to Luther saying, the end is near, I love you, and all of this kind of stuff. And Luther wouldn't stand for it. And instead of praying a safe little, well, may the Lord comfort you, right, and be with you in this time of closure of your life, he prayed this massive, specific, faith-filled prayer, and he wrote this in a letter back to his friend Myconius. This is what he wrote. He said, I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying because I seek only to glorify the name of God. And if he was holding a microphone, he would have dropped it. <laughs> it's a it's a huge, specific prayer. And what's even crazier is Myconius had already lost the ability to speak. He was evidently hours away from death, as they thought. And when he heard this letter, it engaged, it activated his faith, and miraculously, this guy was supernaturally healed. He lived six more years, and guess when he died? Two months after Luther died. That's how specific the response was to a specific and faith-filled prayer by a man who had big enough faith to believe that all things are possible with God. I want us to end our time this morning with this. I want us to be still before the Lord. And instead of, because in just a moment, the ushers are going to come. In fact, the ushers can get ready for that. And in just a moment, the ushers are going to come, and they're going to uh, pass some baskets down the aisle. And in the baskets are going to be some post-it notes. And, and I want you to just rip off maybe uh, two or three, maybe four at the most post-it notes so we have some for everybody. 
And before you write anything, there's pens in the back of the, of the seats there. If you need to borrow pens from each other, there should be enough in the room for everybody. But before you write anything down on your little post-it note, my, my request of you would be that you would just take a moment and be still before the Lord. And say, God, what do you want me to be contending for in these 21 days? And listen, I I don't want to minimize, and I I certainly don't want you to feel uh, poorly about maybe some requests or some things like that. I, I never want to minimize any sort of petition request before the Lord. But could I just challenge us this morning to be specific and to be faith filled? See, sometimes I, th- I think our prayers are, uh, are too vague and too small. Our God is bigger than that. And if we really believe the things of God, if we really believe the things of his word, if we really believe that he can do immeasurably more than we could ever dream or imagine, then whatever you put on that, he could even do more than that. That we would listen to the Lord and that we would be obedient to as he tells you, as you hear from him in this time of silence, that you would write it down. And then I'm going to ask after you've written it down that you would bring it up. We've got some paper up on the walls here that we would just plaster it in. You don't have to put your name on it. Uh, if, if, you, if you're not comfortable putting specific names of your requests, even though I'm asking you to be specific, um, this will be seen by people. So if it's people that we may know and stuff, then uh, just uh, go ahead and take out their name. But, but be as specific as you can. And be as bold as you can as we listen to the Lord and ask him, God, show us. Show us what we should be contending for. Every 21 days of prayer season, we tell you what to pray for. I don't know if you've picked up on that or noticed, but we always put Facebook posts. We always have these prayer focuses. And every single year we tell you, this is what you should be praying for. And what I'm contending for is that you tell us what we all should be praying for.